Tuesday evening. It is, we are less than two days away from the NBA trade deadline. And I am your host for Front Runner Podcast Collective. My name is Vince. And I'm so excited to tell you about what's going on or what we know about. But before that, let's get to the social media of it all and what have you. Um, be a friend, tell a friend. Uh, follow the podcast, Front Runner Podcast Collective. We go twice a week. Uh, this week we're going Tuesday and then Thursday. We'll get to that later in the uh, podcast. The other thing is that follow us on X uh, f- at Front Runner PC and at Nico FRPC. And then we have a YouTube channel. And what I've been talking about with the YouTube channel of late is that usually things from the podcast that aren't mentioned somehow end up in those clips. So keep that in mind. Sometimes there's some real good information in there. Also, we're trying to make you laugh with some of the memes and things of that nature. So comment, subscribe, like the YouTube channel, follow the podcast because we are going to try to get you through this NBA tread deadline, which to tell you the truth, honestly, it has been since the fireworks started with OG and Anobi and uh, Pascal Siakam, we really haven't had anything go on. So now here we are less than 48 hours away. From the trade deadline and there's a lot of things that are being talked about there's a lot of things that are being speculated uh there are a lot of things that are being proposed but what we have not had is a ton of action but we're going to get into the stuff that we do know we're going to get into some things that we have some ideas on and we're going to kind of go from there and i'm going to propose a couple questions and that should do it now Keep it locked here because if something if something awesome breaks, we're probably going to do a bonus pot. Um, and what I mean by that, it would probably have to be a Dejounte Murray trade to someone. Um, I would I would think that would probably register for us to go ahead and do. Other than that. I can't see us breaking out for, you know, no offense, but I don't think we're going to be breaking out for, um, what's a, what's my guy's name? Like Bruce Brown or something like that. But if something goes down that is of note, we will bust in with a bonus pod and go from there. So let's get to it. This is what we know. This is uh, kind of where we are. Let's talk about the names that are kind of on top of the list. And we're going to go through it kind of realistically. DeJounte Murray, where we stand. The Lakers are in pursuit. The Bucks are in pursuit, which makes no sense whatsoever. And supposedly, the Knicks are in pursuit. Now, I can tell you the Lakers are trying to get DeJounte Murray. It has been rebuffed by Atlanta. I've talked about on this podcast previously that Atlanta doesn't really want to take on money. They're not looking to do that whatsoever. 
and D'Angelo Russell to them is not pretty appetizing at all. So they would need a third team involved in that. And that is where the Lakers are having an issue. So DeJounte Murray is still out there. He is just not uh, anything as far as a trade is concerned is not is not happening. It's not on the it's not on the horizon as of right now. Now things can change at a drop of a hat, you know, as the hours continue to fall off, teams start to get desperate. They get a little more realistic with their with their offers and the other teams come down with their um you know with their demands and then we kind of meet a happy medium and maybe that's where we'll be. But for this point right now, DeJounte Murray is in Atlanta. My thought is is that if Atlanta doesn't get what they're looking for, they're not going to trade him. Now, a uh, couple other names. Andrew Wiggins. Golden State is shopping him. Uh, Golden State is trying to rid themselves of this contract. Um, they are trying to kind of reimagine their team on the fly. Uh, I've heard, I've seen things about Grant Williams and things of that nature. The Bucks seem to have an interest in Andrew Wiggins as well. That makes a lot of sense because they don't have a lot of assets to give up. And if you're looking at Andrew Wiggins as a distressed asset and you're hoping to maybe re- revitalize the career a little bit, that might be a buy low situation. And in a sense, might be able to allow Golden State to maneuver a little bit if they can get this deal done, like let's say tomorrow or even later on tonight. Because I suspect the fireworks are just about to start. Uh, so far, we haven't heard anything. I'm giving you what I know, but I'm I'm pretty confident that at some point somebody's going to jump out here and we're going to get some deals done. Let's move on to the next guy. Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant is on the first year of his first de- of his deal. Now, the Trailblazers are in a unique position. They can they can definitely trade them. Also, keep in mind they have Malcolm Brogdon as well, and we'll get to him. But from what I've gathered, nobody's come up with any sort of proposal that makes any sense to them so far, and they really haven't gotten into any kind of extensive talks whatsoever. Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma, basically same situation in Washington. What you're looking at there is that they didn't get anything for Bill earlier. Um, so now at this point, they just signed Kyle Kuzma to a contract. If they're not getting first round pick value for Kyle Kuzma at this point, we can wait. A lot of wait, wait and see. But that is Washington's stance. Next guy on the list is Bruce Brown Jr. This is the guy that I'm going ding, 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 ding. This is a guy that I believe who will be on the move. He's attractive to a bunch of teams. Uh, the Knicks, who seem to be the connect the dots team with him. The Lakers seem to have some use for him as well. 
and a couple other teams as well. Uh, Golden State, we've heard their name is in there. I think what you're looking at with the Knicks is that he's a Tibbs player, or that's what they've said. He has come out himself and said that he's a Tibbs player. My thing is, what's the value? This These two organizations got a deal done earlier. Can they go ahead and hook up for a second deal and get the Bruce Brown Jr. to New York? Get it cracking for us. That would be great. Now, some teams to be on the lookout. The Knicks, the Kings, the Warriors, the Thunder, the Hawks, the Lakers, the Nets. These are all teams that have like little pressure points to them. Um, Not necessarily in the sense of they have to make a deal, but in the sense of that this is an advantageous market. Can you take advantage of it? Can you be shrewd enough to not give up too much on certain teams' behalf? Would it be prudent for certain teams to be patient and maybe wait to the offseason? But these are the, the names of the teams that are really out there, really searching. Um, OKC, I will tell you that that is more of a hunch for me. And the only reason I say this is that they don't give out information, but if you connect the dots, it looks like they are... They're looking for a big. It's been the biggest puzzle piece missing. It's such a stark thing that you look at with that team. They need somebody with some size. Um, Defensive versatility would be great. But you need somebody with some uh, muscle as well. So can't be a string being. You already got one of those with uh, Chet Holmgren. So you kind of need somebody with some mass to him. So We'll see what they can get done in the trade deadline, if anything. Because here is the thing that we have said time and time again with OKC. Sam Presti has a bunch of picks. These picks, he will not be able to utilize every last one of them. But if you shed a giddy at at some point, well, there's another slot for somebody. Case and Wallace could move up. Somebody could move into Case and Wallace spot, and there you go. I think the the three guys on this team that have made themselves absolutely indispensable are SGA, Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, and obviously Chet Holmgren. Uh, I've heard Lou Dort's name out there. There's been some talk about that. I wonder how that would look. So, you know, some things to kind of think about as we move along in this podcast. Now, let's get to a couple things that may do some things that I kind of dreamed up. I went through the trade machine and did it as well. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some trades that could happen, have, have the capacity to happen if people can just kind of think in a sense kind of open their mind a little bit so obviously I'm going to help out the Lakers Dorian Finney-Smith from the Nets for Gabe Vincent and Jalen Hood Shafino and two second round picks now I've heard that the rumor and the rhetoric that has come out of Brooklyn 
They are looking for two first-round picks for Dorian Finney-Smith. Um, I'm sorry. No disrespect to DFS. Dodo is awesome. We all know that. He brings a lot of versatility to a team. But Dorian Finney-Smith is not your third guy. You're missing piece to your big three. He's a complimentary piece. You would love him to be able to kind of start with your unit or come off the bench and provide some depth. But this guy is not the game changer that the Nets are trying to make him out to be. So the reason why it threw in Jalen Hood Shafino, one, is to make the money work. The second part of it is, is that he will act as the first-round draft choice. And then you give the two seconds away, and then you say, hey, listen, two seconds. Obviously, we're not playing great whatever you know if you're banking on that you got two seconds they're probably going to be pretty high if you're thinking that we're going to be terrible and you get a cost control guard who has a lot of upside who's not going to get a lot of chance to play in los angeles right now with all the guards that are ahead of him so moving him to a brooklyn nets team who is starving for any sort of floor general leader whatsoever Jalen Hood Shafino should be suffice for the Brooklyn Nets or Dorian Finney-Smith. Now, obviously it takes two to tango. If obviously Brooklyn stays on this, this two first round pick mandate, nothing's going to get done. I, I mean, maybe if you come off of that and you get down to a first rounder, maybe now you can start playing with the seconds, playing with young players back that seem to intrigue them. I don't know, but we'll see as the trade deadline gets closer and closer. A couple other things I thought about. Um, actually did a deal for OKC. And this has got me thinking that I think they will actually do something. Uh, OKC uses their Los, the Los Angeles Clippers first round pick that they got. Um, thanks for uh, Shea, Gilgis, Alexander, and all these picks. But you turn around and you send that pick with uh, Kenrich Williams and Poku's expiring contract for the Washington Wizards center, Daniel Gafford. Now, Gafford is on a good cost-control contract for two more years. Uh, Gafford provides the size and the strength next to Chet that you're looking for. So here's an idea. You're not you're not digging crazy into your bag for uh picks. You got a lot of picks in this particular draft anyway. This would be the worst of your picks because the Clippers are having a, a hell of a year. And you will get the big next to Chet that you sorely need. Obviously, that's the big hole in OKC. Now, Presti, again, has always been mum. We will never know. But I thought this was something that was definitely in the realm, something that he could be thinking about, something that is uh, also, you can look at Gafford as a trade chip down the road as well. So, you know, depending on what you get in the draft with your pick or with the other couple picks that you have, if you don't get what you kind of need, if there's not a Derek Lively in this group, 
that's coming out in 2024, you can also then pivot and trade Gafford for whatever else you need down the road. Because at 12 point some odd million dollars, that's a good contract for big who's athletic, who can rim run and rim protect. So that's the deal that I have for OKC. Now, Golden State, I do have a deal for them. And basically, it's more of a, it's a prove-it trade for both guys. Golden State sends Andrew Wiggins and Moses Moody to Portland for Jeremy Grant. They would then also send a top 10 protected first-round pick in 2027 for Jeremy Grant. Obviously, you throw in Moses Moody for the money. You also throw that in because it's a young player, a young wing that has not been able to find his way in Golden State to get actual meaningful rotation minutes. Now, you look at Portland and you say they have a glut too. Understandable, but you were hoping that Malcolm Brogdon is going to leave. You were hoping for maybe a little more symmetry in that backcourt and also moody can play up he can play to the three position because he has some size to him and his wingspan is pretty long so moses moody would be a good little pickup for portland especially if grant doesn't fit their picture which apparently he doesn't because all the kids that they have are like 20 21 i think anthony simons is like the oldest kid and he's 23 Somewhere in there. So I would look for. Not saying this is going to happen. But this is something where. If Golden State is really looking to try to do something. Um, in a major way to impact their team. And give Steph. A legitimate two. Because right now. They do not have that. You know I'm not speaking out of turn right now. Clay is not who he used to be. He can't he can't sit there and and give you the hot 25 on a regular that he was able to do. Everything looks hard for him at this point in time. And maybe by bringing in another scorer, you can free him a little bit and now he can kind of stand and squat up and now you have two guys to chase around, which would be Steph and who and let's say Jeremy Grant. That would be something to kind of really, maybe this will not just boost Steph because not all eyes will be on him like Tupac. It'll be a situation where now you have another and maybe that also unlocks Clay as well. Just kind of puts everybody in their proper position. It kind of puts everybody in a role where maybe they're a little more comfortable and you can take a little stress off of Clay as well because I know he's been going through it mentally. Um, there was a piece that was done and he was talking about physically he feels fine, but mentally that might be a different story. So we're hoping that our guy gets to back to positive vibes because happy clay is the best clay. And we love him when we see him on his boat with his dog chilling. All right. So hopefully we can get to that. Now let's get to a couple teams. Do the Knicks pull the trigger for Bruce Brown? I mean, this is kind of the, the worst-kept secret in the NBA at this present time. We talked about it a little bit earlier. These two teams have done a deal before. 
Um, just recently, the OG Ananobi trade. Quickly, and Barrett go to Toronto. OG goes to uh, the New York Knicks. Now, if Bruce Brown is coming, you know that Quentin Grimes is going because that's the young player they're going to want back. And then you need something to make the money work. Now, they have pieces. Evan Fournier is the piece that will probably go back. That will, I mean, they're not using him. And he's an expiring contract, so that helps Toronto as well. So the Knicks will get a useful player. This will kind of add more depth to what they have. And this will also maybe free Dante DiVincenzo to kind of help out that second unit who needs a ball handler. Now, I might have another suggestion down the road, but we'll we'll talk about that when we get there. Here's the other thing, too. Quite as kept, the New York Knicks have stockpiled seven first-round picks in the next two years. So, not saying they want to blow it out for Bruce Brown Jr., but giving up one of those picks or maybe protect a pick and give up some seconds, that might be a way to do this and still be able to have your war chest of picks out there for whatever the big fish that you're looking for down the road. Now, this one is a little more uncomfortable. Um, we're going to we're gonna touch on it a little bit, but we're going to strictly kind of stay more towards the actual player and then the asset. Who takes the swing? The very big swing on Miles Bridges. Now, I say that with some sensitivity. I understand uh, what this young man has done. I, I know what he has pled to. I understand a lot of what's going on there. So as a fan base, as a, if, if you're a woman or if you're a guy who has, you know, either experienced this through, you know, like your mother going through it or, or family member, I can understand where this would be a little bit uncomfortable. But the actual player, if we're just talking about the player, he's an incredible asset. He's young. He's 6'7", six, 6'8", six, physical, strong, can help a lot of teams. And if put in the right position, I think you could rehab the man and the, you know, his public persona. Because if it just comes down to basketball, Miles Bridges is very, very talented. Now, Phoenix is in, and we know why they're in. Obviously, this is a very, very distressed asset. If Obviously, if Bridges didn't have any kind of issues whatsoever uh, that were very, very publicized off the court, he would not even be on the trade block for Charlotte to get. So, of course, Phoenix, who needs all the bodies that they can get, Plus, this would be a very, very quality body that they would be getting back. I could see them emptying everything to get get somebody like Miles Bridges because a KD, Miles Bridges, Devin Booker, 
uh, Bradley Bill with Eric Gordon, that's a little more formidable than what they have right now. Now Nurkic becomes a, a depth piece, and everybody slides down one more rung down the ladder, which they're probably going to be a little more comfortable with that role. Because remember, with Phoenix, it is the big three, and then everybody else is really at about like 12 million to less. It's a bunch of minimal contracts. Uh, veterans, you know, it, you know, veteran minimums and, and taxpayer mid-levels and things of that nature. And keep in mind, because of the CBA, they're not going to be able to go out and get buyout. Okay? They're not going to be able to take three contracts, stack them up, and say, we would like player B from your team. So, Miles Bridges might be their kind of swing and you kind of put the the off the court stuff aside. Hopefully time heals all wounds. He does a lot of work on himself and uh, we keep him moving. Another team that I thought of with Miles Bridges that kind of makes some sense. Could the city of Detroit Embrace him. He's a Michigan State guy. That's the the reason. Other reason for Phoenix. Matt Ispia is a Michigan State grad. Also played on that team as kind of like a, uh, you know, like third stringer, whatever case may be. So I can understand the tie for Phoenix because desperation. But Detroit, this is more of a hey. Could we buy low and hit on something and get this kid around Monty Williams? Because here's the one thing about Miles Bridges that we never have to worry about. He does play hard. And he plays well. He would be highly productive. And you could put him at the four position because you're probably going to trade Boyan Bogdanovich in the next... 24 to 36 hours. And then you can keep it moving. So here's a way you can kind of slightly upgrade your team. You're terrible anyway. Now, if you win some games now, you know, it's just, it's just fluff. Because you're going to have one of the worst top four worst records in the league. That's pretty much locked in at this point. But a Miles Bridges for the future play. Sounds real good in Detroit. Another sneaky one is this. Is Now now this is real. We're going to talk real crazy right now. I forgot about this and I wrote this down. Because this was me just thinking super, super nuts. But I don't know how it would play in, in uh, San Francisco. But if San Francisco, if Golden State could grab a, not all three, but two of the three. Bridges, Hayward, or P.J. Washington. They have the contracts to do it. Now, you know, Wiggins, you know, they say they will not move on from Clay, 
So really, it's Wiggins. Do you use Wiggins in this deal? Does Charlotte want Wiggins? Does that help out Brandon Miller's uh, development? And we'll get to him in a, in, a, in a second. But that was the other team that if they wanted to take a really like big swing, help out Steph, and also help out their physicality because they definitely need it, that would be a team that should be also looking at Miles Bridges, even though it might seem a little icky. All right, let's move on. Now, I was going to cut quite as kept. I was going to come on to this podcast and let you know that with uh, Embiid's injury, I would have thought that he would have pushed their uh, player acquisition situation to the uh, to the offseason, honestly. But reports are coming out that they're going to be pretty aggressive. In this trade deadline. So maybe what Daryl Morey is seeing is that there is some sort of inefficiency in the market that he can take advantage of. It will be very interesting to see what Daryl does in the next 36 hours. And if he does, listen, if Daryl Morey does something and it's out of left field, you know that's a bonus pod. So keep it locked here with Front Runner Podcast Collective. Now, keep in mind, we talked about, I don't know, yeah, we talked about this a long time ago, but we talked about the Tobias Harris contract. It's in his last year, and it's $38 million. That could fetch you a really good player, plus Tobias is a really good player himself. So if you're taking Tobias off this team, and you're thinking you can add a really good piece, I'm very interested to see what Daryl Morey is trying to cook up and what kind of goodie, what kind of present will be underneath the Christmas tree for Joel Embiid when he comes back and he's healthy from the knee surgery. Or as they want to call it, a procedure. They didn't want to call it a surgery, even though he has a a tear in his left meniscus. That's called a surgery. Sorry, I know the kids want to change all the dialogue, but I can't do it. All right. (laughs) Nico will be really happy about this. This is Nico's guy. We're going to talk some DeLon Wright. DeLon Wright is uh, having a pretty uh, robust bidding war going on for him. The T-Wolves, the Celtics, and the defending champions, your Denver Nuggets, are all in on DeLon Wright. And you know what? I understand it. He's six foot four, six foot five. He's a solid guard. He can initiate offense. He can hit threes, plays pretty solid defense. He's not going to hurt you in any way. So if you're putting him out there for 12 minutes to give Jamal Murray a blow, this is a good thing. And also, this provides you with an, a vet in the playoffs that replaces Bruce Brown that you had last year. I understand the development of the kids. I get that. And I am a big proponent of doing that. But when it comes to the playoffs and you have Nikhil Jokic on your team, 
and you have an opportunity to win a championship, I'm sure that just having that steadying presence would definitely help them. So we'll see how it all goes. But that war, that bidding war has started. Okay. We move on to Toronto. Toronto has other pieces than Bruce Brown. And I want to kind of highlight those. Dennis Schroeder would be valuable to any contending team. He's a pest on defense. He's not super. It's not. It's not the greatest defense, but he's an absolute pest on it. Um, Sometimes he gets lost in the pick and roll because he's a little small, but at least you know the effort is going to be there. And he is good for some steals, and he has learned how to run a second unit, which is great. We love it. And also, we have not heard anything on Gary Trent Jr. And his contract is also at the has a chance to expire at the end of the year. So I wonder what that's going to look like. So Toronto might be very, very busy within the next day and a half. Minnesota, Brooklyn, the Lakers are all in on Dennis Schroeder. Hmm. What's possible for the Heat? That's the next question I have for everybody. Their big trade chip is now Nikola Jovic, not Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jovic, who's a six foot nine like sharpshooter. He's shooting 42.3% from three at this present time. Um, so he is their most valuable trade chip. Because we have taken Jaime Haikez Jr. off the off the board. Okay. He's not going anywhere. He's staying in Miami, heat culture, till we die. Cronin, Mick Cronin couldn't be so, so much more proud of this guy right here. So, with Jovic being the the bobble that they're putting out there and also their pick, what could they get? Terry Rogier, so far, hasn't worked out. Now, this is just a situation where the lineup inconsistencies and things of that nature once maybe you have your solidified uh, starting rotation and three-man bench or whatever the case may be, maybe Terry Rozier starts to feel a lot more at ease with where he is and where all the chess pieces are on the board, and he can go ahead and start playing ball like he was doing in Charlotte. But so far, it hasn't looked great. So now... That begs the question, is it going to be Tyler Hero? Does Tyler Hero go somewhere? Who needs shooting? Everyone needs shooting. Um, is this a is this a Brooklyn Nets thing? Brooklyn Nets have said time and time again, when it comes to Cam Johnson, when it comes to Mikael Bridges, they're off limits. They haven't really had an appetite to do anything with Nick Claxton. What you have heard? If you heard um, Royce O'Neal, you've heard Dorian Finney-Smith with like the highest price tags on the face of the planet. And you've heard some whispers about Spencer Dinwiddie. But other than that, they're not really looking to do anything. So really for the Heat, I don't know if that moves the needle for you. So now where do you go? Are there maybe some edge pieces that you can get? 
I don't know. You know, is there is there a Gary Trent Jr. trade that you can get your hands on? I don't know. My my thing is is that can you re-engage with the Portland Trailblazers and see if you can do something with Jeremy Grant? To me, that makes the most sense. Here's a guy who can give you buckets. So if Jimmy wants to take a night off and he's kind of bored with the regular season, you can go ahead and do that because Jeremy can go ahead and take those shots. And also, you're getting bigger, which is good. You kind of need it. Because if you've seen the East, it's a beast. And I know that Miami... I know they are not scared of anyone in the East, and I understand that they're going to have a ferocity when it comes to the playoffs that, you know, a lot of teams aren't really prepared for. We we know this about Miami, but I, I still think they need reinforcements, and I want to see what they do, if anything, during this trade deadline season. And again, I have not soured on Terry Rozier. I want to make that perfectly clear. I think I was the only one crying in the wilderness that Terry Rozier should have been a Laker. But I thought it was a perfect heat trade. I still like the trade. Let's give it a little more time before we go. Oh, this is not working. It's never going to work. And we should cut our losses now. Nope. Terry Rozier has proven throughout his career that he is a additive player. He has shown in the playoffs that he can he can ball out. So we are definitely going to keep our stock in the Heat's Terry Rozier. Now, is there a surprise team out there? Remember, this is the time that in the wee hours of morning, that Kevin Durant was getting traded last year, right? I think it was actually tomorrow. So, who is the surprise team this year? We actually have some candidates on this. The New Orleans Pelicans. They have some draft capital. They have a lot of pieces. And they might want to consolidate. The one thing that I, I do push back on it with is that I still wonder, does New Orleans know who they are yet? And does it take a, a playoff run, a real playoff run with Zion healthy? Because so far, so good. And then they assess where they are. And then they start making the moves necessary to get themselves to the level that they need to be. I don't know. Well, we'll see if they feel. I'll tell you with this trade deadline, if if it passes and nothing, if it's just a margin piece, you know that they still have no idea. And I wouldn't say no idea. I take that back. That they're still searching for a complete identity of what this team is going to look like going towards the future. The next team on our list is the Indiana Pacers. Now, Indiana has already made a move for Pascal Siakam. They do have other things to give. 
They have young pieces to give and other draft picks. They said they weren't done. Re, uh, I do remind you that in our, p- our past podcast that we talked about, when we did the bonus Pascal Siakam trade uh, podcast, we talked about they, they were looking for OG and Pascal. So they might be still in the market for another forward. So we'll see how this goes within the next day and a half for them. Houston is on my list. I don't do this for Nico. And I know, yes, you guys can drink. Because we also talked about the Lakers on this pod. So you guys will probably drink two or three times. Houston is an interesting uh, case study. They would like a veteran wing. They offered uh, the Nets picks and, and Jalen Green for Mikael Bridges. Smart move. I, I dig that move. I see where they were going with that. I wonder if there's somebody else out there that kind of fits that mold that they can go ahead and maybe sink their, their teeth into. You know? Do you call up Utah? Do you call up Utah and and offer maybe maybe, uh, a Jalen Green for Laurie Marketing and and some other pieces or whatever case may be? I don't know. But Houston is looking. And I think that their ownership group is not... Very impatient with this particular iteration of their team since they just got it. But if they can be aggressive in the right way. Look for Raphael Stone to do something there. All right, let's see. I think there's a couple other things that we can get to and then we can get up out of here. Um, I said we were going to talk about the Knicks a little bit. I'm going to kind of talk about one person in particular. I want to talk about the Knicks point god, Jalen Brunson. With Brunson's tremendous toughness and his brilliant footwork and his upper under moves that he's used time and time again, it's on a nightly basis that he's making people look absolutely silly. This dude has just been tremendous all year. The New York fan base loves him. He's their star. He's their guy. And it seems like an absolute perfect match. It's not anything that you guys haven't heard already. But let me give you the numbers, okay? 27.3 points a game, 3.9 rebounds a game, 6.5 assists a game. He's shooting 48.1% from the field, 41.3% from three-point land, 83.5% 83.5% from the free throw line. He has an effective field goal percentage of 54.8. And he has a bucks plus minus of 5.0. So he's doing work. He's doing work. And I love it because he got it out of the mud. He worked super hard. He wasn't the AAU kid, that type of situation. No shots, no shot to AAU kids, but. I have a I have a distinct like love affair for these type of kids. 
remember also, he's a second round pick. And the reason why I want to bring that up is not for the, the obvious reason. Okay. Cause they, every, every time we talk about Brunson, they want to bring up that he's a second round pick. The reason why I want to bring it up is because I want to pivot towards the draft for one second. What I want to say about this particular draft is coming up. Now, on our last pod, I talked about that on our website, frontrunnerpc.com, that we had our top 10 list that Nico put out. And after the All-Star game, we'll probably put out the top 20. Might have some adjustments with the top 10. Who knows? We'll see where Nico stands with that. Um, But, What I want to say about this particular draft is that a lot of people are down on it. And I think people are looking at it wrong. Of course, you are looking for a difference maker. Of course, you're looking for something that is going to absolutely take your team to the next level. Now, in this particular draft, this is not that draft. Okay? I will be 100% honest with that. But to sit here and say that you should not be excited about this draft if you are a person who really digs the draft or you got into it last year and you saw win by Yama and you saw all these other cats go and, and all of this. Great. Fantastic. This year's draft is equally as important, and I'll tell you exactly why. Number one, Jalen Brunson was a second-round pick. That's why I throw it in here. The guy that was passed several times, the guy that was underestimated, he was looked past several times. Like, remember, Dallas, they didn't even offer him a contract until it was too late. And then the Knicks swooped in because his dad works there and all this other stuff. But, all he's done is just continue to get better, continue to develop, continue to prove everybody wrong, and now he's an all-star. So I'm not saying that these kids are that, but what are we talking about with some of these trade scenarios? We're not looking for the star. What we're looking for is rotation pieces. What we're looking for is that fourth guy. What we're looking for is a rebounder. What we're looking for is a rim protector. There's a lot of that in this draft. There's a lot of star in your role type of guys in this draft. You might not necessarily get the guy who is going to be the the face of your franchise, the number one option. But this is the guy that is going to help the number one option. If you already have identified that guy on your franchise. There's a ton of those guys in this draft. And the reason why I bring that up is because we are quick to just go, oh, well, there's nothing that fascinates me about this draft. So I am going to go ahead and just crap on it. No, viable players, players that will play a significant role next year and probably outshine what we thought they could actually be. So 
the Stroud, yes. Superstar, star laden, no. But critical rotation pieces, guys that can be part of, who can be that fourth guy, that fifth guy, that sixth guy, or even the seventh guy on your team. There's a lot of those in this draft. <clears throat> okay. The other thing that I want to get to, I've been real hard on D'Angelo Russell as a player. Um, I actually had a little Twitter or X little back and forth earlier today in regards to D'Angelo Russell. Because somebody was talking about, well, we don't appreciate D'Angelo here and we don't do this and we don't do that, right? And I said, well, there's like six to eight plays a game where D'Angelo will take a shot early in the shot clock with nobody back to rebound. There'll be two to three inexplicable passes that it's like, where are you throwing it to? I don't, I don't know what's going on. Um, and that was kind of my, the gist of my argument. But I've gone in and looked at the numbers. So I want to tell you something. When I do this, I'm doing it for a reason, right? Usually I'm trying to, you know, prove a point, make sure that I'm right. But I want to do something real quick. I want to do a little thought exercise because there's been a lot of like, well, DeJounte Murray to the Lakers and, and De- D'Angelo Russell is not, he's not a valued asset and this and that. Okay. Let me, let me, let me give you some numbers that I came up with. Delo is a plus 2.4 box plus minus on the offensive end. Okay. Now he is also a negative 1.7 box plus minus on the defensive end. So it's all the stuff that I've said, right? He, he gets lost on defense. There's the shot, but as an offensive player, he's going to be more additive then his mistakes we kind of delve out to be. It's more on the defensive side where he's going to hurt you. He's going to get lost in a rotation or whatever the case may be. Now, is he that much of a detriment to winning? And is DeJounte Murray to the Lakers such an additive bonus because he's going to give you something completely different? Well, let's look at the numbers real quick. DeJounte Murray this year is a plus 1.3 box plus minus in offense. His defense, however, is a negative 1.0 in box plus minus. Now, take into the fact that who his guard running mate is, it's hard to, you know, whatever. But this encapsulates all of your stats, you know, everything, your shooting, turnovers, all of it, your rebound percentage, assist percentage, all of these things. But if you look at the two guards, there's not that much of a difference. Now, aesthetically, DeJounte Murray brings something way different. He's an athlete. He might be able to stay in front of guards just on his athleticism alone. Now, in the open court, he's going to be prettier than D'Angelo because he's going to throw down some dunks for you. 
But is he going to find the right guy? Or is he going to take it himself? What's it going to be? So, before we're really, really worried about throwing out a first-round pick and jettisoning D'Angelo Russell off to some third team because Atlanta can't bear to take him, I don't see the huge difference in in DeJounte Murray and D'Angelo Russell. Now, if you tell me you get DeJounte Murray with the likes of LeBron James and Anthony Davis, it's a completely different animal and it's going to take off. Okay, I'll buy it. But if we're just looking at the stats, we're looking at what they are and what the performance has been. We, we've seen enough Atlanta games. Now, you want to take the Atlanta Laker game and, and, and say that's the poster child for DeJounte Murray? Then I'm all in. Let's go. Let's let's trade what we need to trade, and let's get them. But if that's a if that's a every once in a while type of performance, and you're gonna have some inconsistency, what's the big difference between D'Angelo Russell and Dejounte Murray? Then, just food for thought. Here's the other thing that I want to get to. Um, <clears throat> I don't understand what the Bulls are doing to their fans. Now, a lot of people have reported it. Jake Fisher of Yahoo, uh, Shams of The Athletic, uh, Michael Ratto of Hoops Hype said that the Chicago Bulls have, are eerily quiet. They don't have a real appetite for trading DeMar DeRozan or Alex Caruso. They were trying to do everything in their power until Zach Levine got hurt. And then once he got hurt, you know, you thought the shift would just come and say, hey, okay, we're going to go ahead and start moving Caruso and we're going to start moving uh, DeMar DeRozan. That doesn't seem to be happening. They seem perfectly fine with kind of staying in the middle and seeing what they are. And I am disheartened for the fans. And I understand that, hey, it's cool to win some games and you don't want to be Detroit. And, you know, and no, this is not a shot to Detroit. I'm just saying they've had a abysmal season. I can understand not wanting to be like 13 and 69 at the end of the year. But. Lonzo Ball is hurt. Zach Levine is out for the year. Kobe White has shown himself to be really good. But what other assets do you really have at this present time? And here are two guys that I can either get you players back, young players, or get you picks that you don't have because Orlando still owns your draft. That Vucevic trade killed them. And at the time, everybody was saying like, oh, this is a good thing. It makes them better. You know, they can start getting to the playoff and doing that maturation process and taking your lumps and whatever. It never materialized. It never happened. 
And now they're stuck. And now it seems like they're comfortable with it. And I don't understand. DeMar DeRozan is an expiring contract that has value around the league because he's a steady hand that a veteran team or a team that is competing for a championship could use because you know exactly what you're going to get out of him. Alex Caruso has a ton of value around the league. There could be people who are saying, like, you can probably get two first-round draft picks because Caruso is such a plug-and-play guy. He's a spot-up shooter. He doesn't need the ball. He plays hellacious defense. Uh, he's a connector on the court. Everything he does is additive. He's never going to bark for the ball. He's never going to be like, look at the stat sheet and say, oh, man, I only took like six shots tonight. Next time, y'all need to get me the ball like six, seven more times. That's not him. So I don't understand why Chicago does not pull the trigger, but reports out of Chicago are their standing pat. So I'm sorry to Chicago fans. It, it's, it's a tough look. And, uh, man, um, I just feel bad. Really do. All right. The last thing that we're going to get to is this, is that um, I've been talking a lot lately about the Lakers. And the one thing that I've been kind of dancing around is the LeBron James of it all. I've been talking about the LeBron business, what that looks like. What happens when you do go into the LeBron business? But I'm going to uh, give you a little history lesson. I'm going to give you some numbers. And then we are going to harken back to an error. So the one thing about LeBron James is that we all know he's been around forever. But what's the one thing that we do know about superheroes, right? I'm not saying LeBron's a superhero. I know some of you guys throw shade on him. But you tell me this. Of all the superstars out there, all the dudes that had the, the shine put on him early, has he lived up to every bit of it? Oh, and by the way, how much trouble has LeBron James ever got in, into? Oh, wait. Oh, yeah, none. All right. The worst thing he did was the decision, by the way. So, But I'm kind of excited about this because this brings two of my favorite things together. Uh, comic books and basketball, right? So it always happens. You live long enough. If you're a hero, you live long enough to become a villain. So, what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna talk about a couple things. I want to throw some numbers out for you first before we give you the history lesson. So I've been big on the box plus minus because a lot of people um, who are scouts around the league say it's kind of a it's kind of kind of a a nice low number. It kind of puts you in a perspective of okay, this this tells you who the difference makers are around the league. So it's a stat that I kind of use. It's a stat that I've kind of 
embraced over the last year. Um, I've got to know people and, and they given it to me in layman's terms where then I can look at the number and then look at the player and look at the game and go, okay, I see what they're talking about here. So the one thing about box plus or minus, we talked about it, it takes a lot of your stats in and it's, it includes it and then it spits out a number. Now, what I want to kind of do with this is give you kind of a, a little chart with it. Now, this is podcast, so it's going to be talked through. Um, we don't have this on the screen, so just bear with me. So box plus or minus, anything above 9.5 is an MVP level guy, okay? 9.4 to 7.5 is an all-NBA type of guy. Now, these numbers have been changed because of the offensive explosion over the last couple of years. It used to be 8, 6, 4, 2. Now, kind of changed the numbers to kind of uh, be indicative of the offensive explosion that we've had. So... 9.4 to 7.5 is an all-NBA player. 7.4 to 6.0 is an all-star caliber player. 5.9 to 4.0 is a part of your three top rotation guys. He might be your number one, but you're probably not going anywhere. But if he's like your two and three, and or if he's like your two or three, and you got a, you know, 7.4 to, you know, 9. You're probably doing some things there, right? And then 4.0 to 3.0 is a good starter or a 6 man, all right? So 9.4, 7.5, all NBA. 7.4, 6.0, all-star caliber. 5.9 to 4.0, part of your top three rotation, guys. 4.0 to 3.0, good starter, probably your fourth or fifth starter, and then the sixth, and your sixth man. 9.5 MVP caliber. So we all got it, right? All right. So here are your current MVP candidates and their box plus minus. Now, obviously, we know that Joel Embiid probably won't hit the game mark because of the injury. We are saddened by that because he hit, was having a phenomenal season. But this is where the nerds win because Jokic, his box plus minus is 14.3 current stat. I want you to take that in. We said 9.5 and above is MVP caliber. He's at 14.3. Joel Embiid, who we all have seen the counting stats. We've seen the just the, the regular statistics that we all look at. Great numbers off the board. His box plus minus is 11.9 plus 11.9. So there's a big gap between Jokic and Embiid. So when you look at the numbers and you look at the efficiency you can see that Jokic is, uh, as far as offense is concerned, the gap has closed. So I'm being really impressed with Embiid this year, and it's sad to see his year just be done. 
uh, at this point. I know they're talking that he might be able to come back, but I thought the word they used that was that you need to tie into was we'll reevaluate in four to six in four to six weeks. So we'll see how that goes, right? All right. Going down the list again, SGA at 10.4. So he's above the MVP caliber list, right? The next guy on that is Luka Doncic. He is, he's in the all-NBA caliber. He is at 9.2. Tyrese Halliburton, who was having an incredible year, and now he's kind of slowed down a little bit because of the injuries, and now he's on the minutes restriction. So he's at 8.9 currently, which would mean that he would be an all-NBA type guy. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo is at 8.5, box plus minus. And then we have Donovan Mitchell at 7.2. And then we have Kawhi Leonard at 6.8. Notice that in those names, I did not say LeBron James. That's because LeBron James box plus minus is sitting at a five point plus five point seven. This ranks him 11th in the NBA, which is pretty good, right? This puts you like, you know, if we just did everything by box plus or minus, this probably puts you all NBA. Okay. But if you look at the top three or top four on this list, the Jokic, the Embiid's, the SGA's, the, the Luka Doncic, if you want to throw Halliburton to make it a top five, okay, I'm with that. If you want to throw uh, Giannis in there because he's real close to, to Halliburton, I understand that as well. But there is a stark difference still. 8.5 to 5.7 is a huge, I mean, it's a chasm. And I say all these numbers to say this. Now we'll go to the history lesson. Everybody hates the history lesson because they say, Vince, you're so old. Why do you do this? Blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? You're going to get it anyway. On February 7th of 2015. Now, at that time, Uptown Funk was the number one song in the country. Bruno Mars and uh, what's the guy's name? The, the DJ guy. Brady and the Patriots were still together. And they won a Super Bowl. That was the Pete Carroll-Russell Wilson uh, lost game, if you want to call it that. But that was beast mode at the one and a half yard line. They decide to throw the football. Old dude gets it. Touchdown. Or not touchdown. Game over. All right. Some of the top shows at that time. The Walking Dead. The Big Bang Theory. Empire. And The Blacklist. So, February 7th of 2015, uh, this, this tweet goes out. <clears throat> Stop trying to find a way to fit out. Fit out all caps. F-I-T-O-U-T, all caps. And just fit in. Fit in, all caps. F-I-T-I-N. Be a part of something special. Just my thoughts. 
In the last quad, we talked about LeBron James needing real help. If this team was going to be an absolute contender. This box plus minus that I just gave you should be a really good indication of what things are really. There's a hierarchy in the league. And LeBron, who is immensely talented, he has given us years, decades of entertainment. But at this point, he's not the difference maker that he makes himself out to be. So then I asked LeBron James this question. Before you start taking like little meetings in New York City and seeing what the possibility of, of being a Nick is. And, you know, I understand you want pressure on the team. You want them to be the best they can possibly be. And plus, you're probably looking at it from your point of view. I'm not as good as I once was. But maybe for a brief moment, I can be great. I get what you're going for. But if they don't have it to give, they can't manufacture it out of thin air. So then I ask you the question, LeBron. Stop trying to find a way to fit out and just fit in. Be a part of something special. Just my thoughts. So I'll I'll leave you guys with that. This is what's going on so far. Um, nothing. You know, absolutely nothing. I'm going to look at my phone one more time to make sure that we have not missed anything. Um... As of right now, let's see. Da, 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 da. Okay. It looks like there's some Michael Scotto of Hoop Type. It said they're interested. Looks like Bones Highland might be on the move. Uh, no, no further discussions on the. Dallas, Golden State, Andrew Wiggins trade. No movement on that. But the math seems to be focused on Kyle Kuzma and P.J. Washington. Um, no. So, right now, we're still in a holding pattern. Um, we are... How can I quote this? Things are going to break, and I think things will start breaking tomorrow. But things the one thing about it is, until that time gets real, real close, people don't have that pressure on them. I think things, when you wake up tomorrow morning and you go, hey, if we don't get this deal done in the next 24 hours, we might be stuck with this cat. And I'm going to tell you right now, and I've said it like three or four times during this podcast, so go back and listen to the archive pods. This collective bargaining agreement they put together, there are severe penalties if you are in that first and second apron. The second apron is devastating to be in. So you have to have the right team. All your pieces need to fit. It needs to be pretty much in lockstep. And you're just going out to get a piece to do it right now. So keep that in mind. All right. So nothing on the horizon we will get back on Thursday. Um, if something breaks before then, you know where you can come get it. You can come get it at FRPC, which is Front Runner 
Podcast Collective. I am your host, 